Sonny Ture. And I'm Akita J. And you are now listening to the Fire This Time podcast. Fire. We're here with uh, episode 20. We're happy to uh, bring in this milestone with y'all listeners. I know it's uh, been a long time coming this year to get us up to 20, but uh, we're happy to be here and looking forward to the next 20. How you feeling exactly. about this 20, Aki? You know, it's always monumental to get to 20. It's dub. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Nice, you know, nice little dub sack, you know, to make it to that. That's just an accomplishment in itself, you know. And, you know, hopefully this 20 will even motivate us to do a little bit more, you know, content for y'all. Keep things going. Keep Street. things rolling. Streets are saying they want to see Aki on the visuals. <laughs> they see me on the visuals. Yeah. They just going to see a chocolate slim, brother. <laughs> so, just a chocolate slim, brother. That's about it right there. But, yeah, we think, you know, we we, we glad to be back with you this week. And get y'all this fire. Um, always remember to like, share, you know, look us up, mm-hmm. leave a comment, tell us what you think. Yeah, we would highly appreciate that. You know, we trying to get some feedback so we can step our game up a little. Yeah, so if you're listening right now, go and hit that pause button or keep listening. Uh, hit that home button, share button, and you know, copy paste whatever you gotta do. You know, what I'm saying help help some brothers out. Take copy paste. Um, but yeah, to, uh, with episode 20, we we got a few different topics we want to get into. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about hoteps and some recent comments from uh, some black celebrities uh, criticizing or, or, or saying what they think about hoteps. Always talking shit. Come on, bro. We, we also going to talk about um, the Not Fucking Around Coalition, uh, NFAC, and the recent arrest of Grandmaster J. Got to talk about that, too. And then we're going to get into, uh, uh, this is really interesting, Aki. Uh, a recent statement went out last week from uh, the chapters of the Black Lives Matter Network, yeah. the actual grassroots chapters. Yeah. And it's called, it, or at the top it says, it is time for accountability. Wow. So they finally are taking Patrice Cullors, the other founders, and the whole leadership structure that was uh, that came into being. Uh, from Ferguson and Mike Brown and Trayvon before that, uh, you know, that the chapters are finally taking, you know, this uh, false leadership to task, this anti-democratic leadership to task. Yeah, well, and that's what they're saying, it's anti-democratic. Yeah, and that's what we've been saying. Yeah. And they've been shielding this undemocratic practice behind a veneer of identity politics. Oh, uh. So we'll talk about, you know, we've been talking about that, but we'll talk a little bit more about that going forward. We got a juicy show today, huh? Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Many different cuts, too. You know what I'm saying? Get people what they need. I can hear that. So to start things off, uh, this week's fire, we got some uh, good news. Uh, A new trailer has been dropped uh, showcasing Nate Parker's new film Shout out to Nate Parker. American Skin. Gangster. Yeah. I keep going giving people a, a rundown of the trailer. Uh, what the trailer talking about? You know, me being a black man and being a you know a new African nationalist, RBG, and some other shit. Uh, the trailer got me hype. I'm ready to see this. Um, I don't know. Should I go ahead and like pitch the? Uh, okay, yeah. yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, pretty much. It's a brother. Him and his son get stopped. Police do what they do. Um, 
The man's son is murdered. The Na- man. Yeah, Nate, Par- Nate Parker is the main character. It's his son that is killed by the police. Yes. And uh, see, that's how so good it is. I- I'm just thinking about the whole plot right yeah. now. But yeah, his son get murdered, and pretty much he say, y'all don't want to give my son justice. I'm going to get into some gangster shit. And it looked like they try the whole protest, singing in the street All shit. All that shit. And then, you know, it ramps up. So, I, you know, if you want to know more, check out the trailer. If you, you know, if you want to uh, go into it a little bit uh, less aware of what, exactly what's going on, just make sure you see it. See it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called American Skin. It looks like it's going to be the most provocative film uh, you know, of this of this protest yeah, era. I think they're going to try to give him a little heat on that one eventually. For sure. This when look, it come out. Yeah, they're This looks like uh, the most provocative protest film of this era. I wonder, I wonder. Or you know, but I should say black resistance film yeah. more, more than just protest. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know what I'm saying? It's like a, that's going to be like a, almost like a spook who sat by the door with a different plot. You know what I'm saying? That was a revolutionary movie in this time to show black people rising up. So, I mean, hey, you know, I just, I don't, I, I I'm wonder. I'm excited, Aki. Yeah, I wonder what the climate is. They going to put it in the theaters? Is it going to be on Netflix? Do I got to get it bootleg? I don't know, because I get a bootleg. I got what, a good bootleg, man. Whatever the case, when this film come out, we need to organize some safe, socially distant <laughs> watching parties. Yeah. All across. Yeah, all across the, the country. All across, you know what I'm saying? Wherever you at, you know what I'm saying? Get together with your people. And make sure you check this film out when it come out. Look at a man banging for his son. Ain't that smart? It's going to show black masculinity in a way that, you know, white Hollywood would never show it. Wolf and Cub. You know what I'm saying? Would never show it. My mango people will know about that. That Wolf and Cub, that's that shit. So hopefully this is a corrective to the uh, to the weak Black Panther we got. Shout out Chadwick, R.P. Chadwick. But that Black Panther that was written for him was weak. <laughs> Uh, you know, we, we used to weak ass. Well, I said it. The graphics of it was banging. The visuals was banging. Yeah. The storyline could have been better. For sure. I, look, man, if the, if the film rounds out with the Wakanda princess giving the keys to the white CIA officer <laughs> yeah. and say, you know, go kill these other Africans that are trying to resist in a more... Uh, Violent way, but still a revolutionary way. Yeah, CIA, the killer of African revolutionary resistance worldwide. There was a lot of problematic things in that movie, Aki. Aki, if the the movie come up a conversation, you know how I get. (laughs) It was a lot of problematic things with the movie. The graphics was banging. It's like Jay-Z and Beyonce joint they did. The graphics was banging in that movie. Mm -hmm. But it was on some other shit. Yeah, you're talking about Black Skin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Graphics just banging. It was on. I, I, I prefer Blackest King to that Black Panther shit. I tell you that. Me personally. Me, but per- look. Oh no, that's a conversation. In I itself. key. I gotta, really think. We, I gotta go back over it in my head. I gotta look. I gotta. I key. If there was an African country that technologically advanced yeah, today, you know what? today, I can, no, I can give you that. And it sided. It, it make it look shiesty. And it sided with the CIA and over they, the rebellious Africans. They would be our greatest enemy. I, they would be enemy number one. I, I'm gonna keep it real. Like yeah, I had to give you that because uh, it's like we'd be some killmonger ass niggas, bro. You got technology. To shield you so people don't even know you there. All these niggas getting shot by the police. We can't get no shield, nigga. We can't get no active shield. Come D- drop it off in the hood, go to the crib, yo, bro. 
new African shield. Hey, <laughs> niggas are gonna have to settle their beefs in a different way then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you gonna have to you got the bootlegal uh some infrared glasses to be able to see a visible shield. But nah, that's for real though. Yeah, I mean, you know, this this probably will be I mean, I hate to say it, the Nat Turner movie was even pretty decent. You know, it was pretty decent. We seen that. And you know, Aki, I hate to admit it. But I let a lot of the, you know, a lot of the controversy around Nick Parker at the time keep me from seeing the film. I should have seen a lot sooner. I didn't see uh, the the Nate Parker, Nat Turner film until I watched it with you and Twix. Or were you over there when we watched that Twix crew? Uh, no, no, Yeah, no. it was me. Okay, it was me, Twix, and Reese. Yeah. Yeah, we was over there. And uh, I, I think it was on Juneteenth. Yeah, I think it was maybe Juneteenth this year. No, did I even over there? Yeah, my first time seeing it, bro, and it came out years ago. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I ain't gonna make that same mistake again. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and any criticisms of Nate Parker, righteous or otherwise, aside, I'm watching this film. I don't give a damn about the criticism. I'm that watching man this was film. proven to be innocent. But that, we ain't gonna go there. That aside, I key, I'm watching this film. Yeah, yeah, you need to look at this film because, like I say, the the, the uh, Nat Turner one was pretty decent. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I seen, it. I loved it. I mean, um, don't get me wrong. No, I can't even say too much shit, and it wasn't historically correct. His life is a, still, a, it's a lot of stuff about his life that's a mystery. But that being said, please go check out the trailer. And when the movie come out, go check it out, because I'm going to check it out. And if it don't come in the theaters, matter of fact, if it do come in the theaters, I don't trust the theaters, so it might be getting bootlegged. This is a, a movie from a black man to black men, it feels like already. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about American Skin. Yeah. And I think it's going to be a movie that's so cathartic for black men. You know what I'm saying? We're going to watch it, and it's going to emotionally resonate spiritually. Just in every type of way, it's going to resonate with it. Hey, tell us something. I'm saying, hopefully Nate Parker do it right. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, I already know. I'm already emotionally invested into what happened. You know what I'm saying? Like, how, how does shit turn out? He said, I'm out? already emotionally invested. Already. Already. Because, yeah. look, this is the first film of its type. Don't go in there like that because you know then if you go in there like that and you see the movie and it ain't what you think, you're going to be hurt. <laughs> it, look, I already have reason to worry, Aki. We know Spike Lee is one of the uh, producers or I, I don't know what, what's his affiliation to the film, but he's, you know, yeah. t- top line on the credits. You know, Spike. You know, Spike have had a hit or miss in this life. And he, that nigga been missing. I mean, for the last couple of movies, yeah, he been missing a little bit, you know. Shy Rock, bro? Yeah. I mean, that's a swing and hit yourself in the yeah. mouth. How did you do, do the right thing? And, you know, all those classics, and then you give us that. Trying to stand on it like it's something intelligent. Yeah, anyway, bro, uh, anyway bro, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna get started. On go see the go see the movie and check out the American show. Skin. Nate Parker coming 2021. We're guessing. Check it out. Yes. Next thing we want to talk about. Uh, recent news. Grandmaster. No, is it Grandmaster J? Yeah, Grandmaster, Grandmaster J. J uh, the NFAC, not fucking around coalition. We've reported on their activities. Uh, several times on the podcast, talked about Grandmaster J. Big up to NFAC. You know what I'm saying? And all the different organizations and, you know, brothers and sisters involved. Uh, as we know, it's a southern-based uh, militia. Yes. Black militia movement. Not as much an organization, it seems, yet. Yeah. Like, uh, but definitely a, a coalition and a, and a growing southern-based movement. Has the potential. For sure. For sure. And, um... With that being said, you know, with the, with that support 
you know, let, let's get into a little bit of what is being alleged to Grandmaster J and what this is all about. So like we said, Grandmaster J is uh, a leader or the leader of the NFAC. And uh, over three months ago now, uh, this is just in, this is in September uh, during Derby, the Derby weekend. Yeah. Kentucky Derby weekend. Uh, as we know, NFAC was on hand as we reported on. Uh, they were there to protest um, the killing, the murder of Breonna Taylor. And um, during their actions, you know, that brought hundreds of uh, black Southern uh, militia folk, uh, our people there to Louisville. And, and men and women. Men, some people were just coming to jump in with because they felt they ain't never felt that. Energy. Supporters and militia folk. You're right. There's a lot of supporters as well. Uh, but y'all seen the videos of hundreds of stuff. Yeah. Hundreds of us marching, you know what I'm saying? With the guns, with, red, with the weapons. Oh, it looked good. It did look good. It definitely did. It looked good. With that being said, you know, we had to take up some of the. Um, well, actually, let, let's get in. Let, let's inform people what happened. So, Grandmaster J was arrested. They said three months ago at this action during the Derby weekend, he pointed a weapon, a rifle, at officers and impeded or threatened. Uh, caused them to be in fear. That yeah. this is what they allege is what he was arrested for over three months after the fact. They claim that it happened three months after the fact because they were doing their due diligence as investigators or whatever hogwash they throw up there. They waited till it was polit politically opportune to do so, right? And they probably waited till uh, enough time passed after the Breonna Taylor decision as well. We know how these crackers move. Yes. So, Grandmaster J is, uh, I believe, still arrested, still, um, I think, awaiting some of those early court procedures. Uh, yeah, you know how they do. Yeah, they're gonna, so. so they're going to try to hold him as long as they can. For sure, for sure. Uh, we do know that our Southern brothers and sisters that are attentive, involved in um, this type of organizing, mobilizing down south, they're, they're definitely angered by this. Yes aware of it uh i've been seeing a lot of uh chatter you know what i'm saying online you know through various networks about this mm -hmm. and uh first off let me say that i totally disagree and uh outright reject uh the actions of the louisville police department and whatever federal agencies were on hand are accusing yeah grandmaster jay of this um i think it's all trumped up charges yeah i don't believe i i don't believe the veracity of their claims. Yes. I don't believe that Grandmaster J get like one of the criticisms that has been placed on Grandmaster J is his over willingness to work with police departments and inform yeah. police departments of their activities. Yeah. So this idea that Grandmaster J aimed his rifle uh, at officers and in, uh, in a way to threaten them purposefully to threaten them is is total bullshit. I reject it outright. Uh, and anybody, any black person, any new African that is, you know, trafficking in these type of claims made by our oppressor against somebody who, you know, whether we agree or disagree with them or to what, yeah. the, what, a, what degree we disagree with them, uh, you know, the traffic in these type of lies from our oppressor in the public space, social media, I don't care if it's on your own timeline. You know, I question that. I, I, I question that, Aki. I don't even get it because the inner nigga in me lets me know this is bullshit. Mm -hmm. the, pol 
The police only come at a person three months after they do something when they're investigating you. If y'all was taking pictures of him, they showed the pictures, right? Then wherever he was pointing the gun at, where the cameras at pointing down at him? Well, see, and this is an important part. Now, we also heard that what when they're alleging this this action took place, this illegal action yeah. from Jay took place, was at night. So we saw pictures of him aiming his gun upwards in the daytime. Yeah. But when when this actually occurred was at night. So you had Louisville Metropolitan Police officers and an unknown, I believe, number of federal officers together. They go onto the the roof of a building near uh, Jefferson Square, one of the Jefferson County buildings in that square. And they're at a rooftop at night looking down, doing surveillance on this group. And they say that during this time, J Master J is alleged to have aimed a rifle at their direction while f- shining a flashlight. And they said that this alarmed them, caused fear in them. They so had the y'all didn't go get him that day. They had soft, they didn't have armor on, so they was fearful that he if he sh- if he decided to shoot. Now, I do some bitch ass officers and FBI agents. You got guns. If this man if I and then if I, I go point a gun at any if I point a gun at somebody with a gun, it's only going to be one or two things that's going to happen. Right. If I'm a black man and I'm pointing a gun at a fed or a police officer and I, it's enough distance between us, he busting back. Right. Or he's radioing to his boys on the ground saying, yo, this nigga on this quadrant right here in Jefferson, yeah, he aimed the rifle, go pick him up. There's never been a violent interaction between NFAC and the police. There's there's been cooperation. Anytime brothers have riled up and started... Brothers and sisters. It's not just relegated to the brothers, brothers and sisters. But specifically, they feel they see a threat with black males. Yeah. You know. um, Riled up and say, I'm going to defend my people from your brutality. Sometimes with the same brutality that you give me, but at least with the standard of self-defense to be able to protect myself and my kind, right? We've seen this happen on the plantations with rebellions. <laughs> Good history of them. We've seen it happen with Robert F. Williams in the 60s. We've seen it happen with the, pa- I mean, well, in the 50s. We've seen it happen with the Panthers in the 60s. You know, we've seen it happen with the Republic of New Africa. We've seen it happen with the uh, 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 push in Philly. You know what I'm saying? We've seen this many times. And then to show that in a united front with women in conjunction, that's the last thing they want, is to have a militant brother who can not only persuade men, but also women, which shows that unit. Mm -hmm. That's a fear of him because that means you are raising that means you are have a, producing a liberation type um continuance you got a mama and a daddy they both from the revolution that baby gonna get it from somewhere they see that man as a threat do we see trumped up charges like this all the time man this ain't nothing new to us i would say this might be the largest mobilization of armed black protesters since when 
that last time, the, and I and I can't even say the Panthers did it like that. Pan- um, Panthers were do- were more active on the West Coast with the guns. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and and and, and, and that wasn't that wasn't always in their public demonstrations. That like those those acts that we know them of, marching to the Capitol right. and all of that. They didn't do that shit every day. And that wasn't by the hundreds, neither. Yeah, that wasn't by the hundreds. Both chapters wasn't doing that. They right. had the heat. Right. <laughs> and that shit got cut out quickly with the Panthers. I mean, California yeah. moved to restrict that, you know. The gun that, laws yeah, real fast. Put that, put that law in place. They right did time. that. That's the Fred Hampton. Well, Fred Hampton and Al Capone changed the shit for Chicago. But, mm. I mean, you know, they, they, we see trumped-up charges like this all the time, especially on our leaders. Mm-hmm. So it's not something uncommon for us to know. What is your? What do you think about the response from the black nationalist organizations you're aware of? As far as we see a high, high whether we agree with them or not, Aki, a high-profile black leader and J Master and Grandmaster J mm-hmm. is arrested for trumped-up charges related to his involvement in our struggle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you see as the response? What do you think about the response from black nationalist organizations? I mean, some black nationalist organizations, I, I've heard they, they are supportive of Grandmaster mm-hmm. Jay. They see you for what it is. They nigger six just kicked in, too, and they was like, I don't know, this is one of us up. Mm-hmm. Um, then you got another segment of them. And that segment, you know, those are the ones who bought into the trope of, you know, he's an agent. Uh, you know, he working for the feds, he work with the police, and things of that such nature. Um, those are what you call, like, even even if they profess to be black power, and I don't like to use this word, but they those are what you call haters. Mm-hmm. Like, one, they don't have the balls to get out there and do what he do. Mm-hmm. It take a lot of heart to stand in front of police and federal agents with guns. And you know that they can shoot you and they probably going to get off. And we can't discount the collective um, feelings of, you know, progress, of strength, of unity that's felt by the participants. Man, you know what I'm saying? Because this is not just about Grandmaster Jay. Yes. This is about the who he's, our people that he's mobilizing. It's funny. I was, I was listening to a sister and she went to one of his events mm-hmm. and she was saying how the only other group of people that I ever felt that way or ever felt that secure around was the Nation of Islam. And she said that it didn't even meet. She said that even the Nation of Islam, that security that I felt with the Nation of Islam didn't amount to the security that I felt when I was at an NFAC demonstration. And it wasn't just about the brothers there with the guns, but... I think I, you know, dealing with the gang scene and shit. I know what I know how it feels. You know what I'm saying? When you around a bunch of your kind, and y'all, you know, y'all, y'all ready to do it. Even if you ain't one of the ones ready to do it, you around people that's ready to do it, and you know they're ready to do it. Mm-hmm. Like she spoke of, like there's a level of security, and it's like when I went to the Million Man March. It was, you know, what I'm saying you felt like. I'm I'm un, you unstoppable. But one thing I like about him is that Grandmaster Jay is a, a, to some from what we can see he has helped establish something that does have discipline to it. Mm-hmm. Don't get out of line. You know what I'm saying? It don't, you know, 
You know, like he said when he spoke one time, he said, you know what I'm saying, organizers don't, you know, they ain't disciplined. There have been more accusations and projections of, I think, backwards or unprincipled behavior in, in NFAC than there's actually been instances yeah. Of, yeah. of, you know what I'm saying, backwards in, his, in, in NFAC. And some people, too, they, they, they look at it more from an ideological stance. For sure. So, like, you know, most cases when you've seen self-defense, it came from some form of nationalist stance mm-hmm. and things of that such nature. He he still he has a nationalist stance from what I hear mm-hmm. and see, um. But because he you know he sort of has a little bit of you know nation of Islam five percent, you know understanding and and education and you know he stands on that far as his cultural center and things of that such nature still centering the black cultural experience here in North America. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying, um. You know, you get criticisms from them on that level. So that's more of a little ideological thing that I've heard from some nationalists. They don't necessarily go into details on it, but that's what I see. But it's mostly just, you know, haters and people who, I guess, some people want to see a little bit more. I guess they want to see it go from being a loose network militia to actually being a militia. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know if I would favor using the word militia. I think some people are just jealous of the mobilization efforts that NFAC yeah. has uh, took part in. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I see some people just, even within the black nationalist community, they just outright reject NFAC and Grandmaster J as, I think, toxic parts or parts that need to be purged from our struggle. Yeah. Instead of, you know, and they do this from... Somewhat of a, I guess, a, a high perch, elitist perch. Yeah. And um, there's never any idea that, okay, maybe what NFAC, doing, NFAC is doing is a natural part of where we're at, I think, consciously in our struggle. And, and instead of seeing this as an opportunity to guide this mm-hmm. tendency in a way that you think it should go, you just stand back and stand away from it and say, oh, that's backwards for this reason or that reason according to my theoretical framework or ideology. So I'm not going to touch it. Yeah. Um, you know, Some of them so, got to do it not to... They, they don't want to offend their, their, their white or, you know, their liberal part- friends. <laughs> their white partners. Yeah, and their white partners too. Right. A lot of them don't want to offend them. I mean, when, even on those levels, like, man, it's, it's no reason to really have a problem with NFAC. I mean, I would say that I can understand. I I can na- I naturally can see why uh, a Black Lives Matter ain't going to agree for NFAC. Don't the only way that uh, Black militia is accepted by the white liberal establishment and all of their Black employees? Yeah, is you know if the leader was <laughs> if the leader was a Black man. Let's just say that <laughs> yeah. if the leader was a Black man, that Black man would have to, you know, I hate to even say it. He would have to be uh, probably not heterosexual. Mm-hmm. He'd have to probably be so accepting of white people into the organization. You yeah. know what I'm saying? He would probably have to, the militia would probably have to target other black men. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, but, but, but I'm saying this because these are what we know yeah. that, that I mean, white liberal establishment fears. They fear black men devoted to the black family seeking to b- protect the black community. Yeah, They fear that. And I'll say this too. A lot of it is to an inner... We don't... 
We haven't seen that type of demonstration in so long. You see what I'm saying? To see men and women ready to defend and protect with guns. Mm-hmm. We have to remember that this, even though black nationalism has been here since the since, since the revolution of the 60s, mm-hmm. and for that, but I'm saying it's still here, there's a certain level and in, in, in evolution to us coming to now where that, that self-defense aspect was disregarded. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you got to think. And, and I can understand for some reasons. Mm-hmm. Integration. Know, yeah, integration. More assimilation into the system. Right. Um, the fear of war. Like, the, the majority of the masses of people don't want to see, I don't think, they don't like conflict. And then, we look, the further we get integrated, the more risky it is to allow this black savage male to operate freely. And and operate freely and organize freely. Anytime, and, and that makes me think about right resistance. Yeah. The, 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 anytime to, to, that I think about resistance in the black community, right, mm-hmm. we see um, from, from the plantation, early colonial time, like literally you see the tactics that the European uses. You know, um, he comes in, he tries to discredit those those uh, revolutionary elements in the black community or in the, in, in, in the opposition. With us, our sort of took place in the 80s. Crack did a lot of damage, you know. Now we in an era where I don't know if we really want that fight. As much as people talking about, you know, no no protection and stuff like that. I don't think that the masses, that's why he's getting the criticized, criticisms. Anybody who really, like, in, like, he, what did Malcolm do? Malcolm, and he got turned down on this too. Malcolm used to send letters to Malcolm, I mean, I mean, Malcolm used to send letters to Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. offering to provide protection mm-hmm. for him and his demonstration. Mm-hmm. This is when Malcolm left the nation. Got two letters of that, mm-hmm. you know. Never got a necessary response from it. They're not doing anything but carrying on that tradition. Kwame Ture talks about uh, him enjoying the security of the FOI. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And how when he, he met with Farrakhan, or it might have been Elijah Muhammad still. Uh, no, it was Elijah Muhammad who was the leader still. I forgot who assigned him the security detail. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, Kwame Ture talks about when he was traveling throughout the South doing work, speaking, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. that uh, he was, you know, defended by the Nation of Islam, so, you know. I mean, I just think, you know, people gonna make their little criticisms of, of the man. I just say this, you know, we know the charges trumped up to some extent. Mm-hmm. You know, we know it's some bullshit. They've been trying to probably look for anything they could to find on him to lock his ass up. Mm-hmm. And they got, they came up with this little bullshit. Black people don't join the chorus of, I, I guess, rejection or just, you know, low-down criticism of Grandmaster Jay. If you had nothing to say or nothing to contribute to an armed struggle prior to this, yeah, you know what I'm saying. That, that there are people that you know that are on shit that maybe you not and you should maybe know your place. I just say, just tell people, man, look at the principle that the person is standing for. Tell me where the principle of self-defense is wrong. 
Tell me where you have been. Like, hold on. Let's just get this right. Two. How many convictions that went down with all these deaths happening? Facts. After a while, you're going to have to start saying, like, we got to do something. Him showing strength is better than him banging on him in the street. Be glad about that, because if he get to banging on him in the street and they spread out around, that's a whole nother conversation. I ain't going to give out no revolutionary seat. <laughs> to right the pig. I, I ain't gonna give out no revolutionary secrets to the pig but believe me be glad that he we need they need to be glad that he's at least being disciplined right now yeah for sure for sure and I don't you know I don't feel like uh, I don't know Aki you know what I'm saying like we just gotta keep on showing support yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I, I don't like that. I support all freedom fighters. For sure. For sure. You know, we can't join the chorus of just criticism and rejection of NFAC. Uh, that's not, you know, that's not the uniting thing to do. That's not how you, you, you unite. Yeah. You don't unite with people by just dominating them intellectually or theoretically. Yeah. You unite with them by forming relationships. There you go. And uh, it's the hard thing to do. A lot of my friends in academia... Mm. or in politics or in the media mm -hmm. who are afforded a certain platform elevated platform they lose sight of this yeah you know even in the movement you know what i'm saying yeah in an elevated position in the movement you can lose sight of the need of relationship building yeah you know you don't do that through just distance criticism and rejection and i always gotta remember man you can't get caught up in the personality because right. we, we we talking about Grandmaster Jay, but it's thousands, at least a thousand of them. We're talking about dozens, if not hundreds, of smaller groups that are part of this. Yeah, you, you know, know what units I'm that are part of this. So you know, if we're if about you, hundreds, of, we're talking about hundreds of black families. There you go. That that are united behind this. And I'm talking hundreds, about, if not thousands, of black families that are united behind this. Hey, Aki, when you say black families, I'm talking about some of those units consist of a, a daddy, a mama. And four kids. Yes. <laughs> That's the unit, and we coming. Yep. Like, he got an action a little fascinating, you know what I'm saying? A lot of times we read these organizations and people just like in the in the dry, bland, scientific or, or, or white way that just categorizes and doesn't look at the human side of things Don't or the cultural the side of things. And, and, and remember, man, African-American, new African. ADOS, whatever the hell you want to call it. They, we are our own people. We got our own culture. We got our own methods of struggle. We've, we've tried the various different methods of struggle. Mm -hmm. Most of the ones that you got around the planet Earth, damn it, came from ours. Yep. So, like, we got to stop interpreting people like that, what you just said. We interpretate people sometimes. With their language. Yeah, with their language and through sometimes even their ideological lenses. Right. You're right. You know, like, you mean to tell me, would they? Would you say Nat Turner was an agent? Mm-hmm. You know? And, and we talk about this because oftentimes this left and right divide trips us up too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Where you have some so-called black leftists feeling like they have more in common or more in solidarity with a so-called white leftist yeah. than somebody they read as a so-called black conservative, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's black leftists that feel like 
people in the Nation of Islam are their enemy, while white leftists is their <laughs> yeah. ally. Yeah. And I think some of this shit <laughs> on the surface is just way too backwards, way too narrow. And, you know, you got black people out here sounding like white folk. I mean, um, at the end of the day, it's weird, you know. We got a history of doing this, so it, it's not uncommon to me to hear people talk like that. I mean, I think since the times of maybe the 60s or 50s, we've been like that. I've looked at, you know, I mean, I think I go back to Nat Turner. You look at Nat Turner and then you read the newspapers of the free black communities up north mm -hmm. that was existing at the same time. This is going on. They didn't show no contempt from them, for them. They didn't. They didn't hate on them. Their main concern was is how was white folks finna act. <laughs> mm -hmm. But they said that he was justified. Some people may have said he went a little far. And you got to think, some of them Negroes gained reputation and prestige from not turning his actions. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because the white people get anxious, they start paying and looking for these so-called black translators of, 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 of mass black grievance and anger. Yeah. They want the people that can translate that anger into a comfortable story narrative for white people. In other words, they don't want anybody who has the potential of being a mouth. They see anybody, and I would think they would feel this way with a black woman. If Grandmaster J was Grandmaster J, uh, mm -hmm. straight female talking this way, mm -hmm. they would feel just as threatened because mm -hmm. they didn't distinguish a black messiah as just a male. I think they would be more threatened if it was a woman. If it was a woman that was talking this armed resistance, yeah, just because that would attract more women toward, toward the cause, and I think. Yeah, it would. Uh, they don't want to see no black men and black women united around self determination, autonomy, and around justice, around reparations. They don't. And want we that. do have a. We got a certain tradition in an African, the African in the Americas experience mm -hmm. of following behind strong women. Mm -hmm. You know, our experience here in the Americas is quite different than most other people's. You know, um, and I'm talking about it from Jamaica to. South, I mean, South America and stuff like that, we all got a certain kindred to some extent because we were brought here to the West. Mm -hmm. And we have a history of women. Hell, we got Harriet Tubman. We got plenty of women who rose up stagecoach Mary, you know, who rose up, took arms, and was able to rally black men, you know. But to go to the point of that, they, they, they don't want anybody who resembles a Malcolm. And Malcolm wasn't even a violent man. So, and you're right, Aki, and I feel like, you know, if there's nothing else for us to say on NFAC yeah. and, and uh, Grandmaster J, let's pick up that point. They don't want nobody like no Malcolm. Yeah. They want somebody around here that is going to play a mammy role, yeah. male or female, yeah. towards the black community to corral our labor, to uh, some to enforce, you know, white respectability or white gender or white economic uh, culture and policies on us. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? They need black faces to do that. Yeah. And that's what they prefer. That's what they want to create. You know what I'm saying? So that brings us to Jadena. <laughs> Jadena. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing your name right. Either way. You had to explain who this Negro was to me. I don't even I seen him before, but I ain't know what he sing. He sings and he kinda do some rap type of deal. He makes how should I say it? He makes, you know what I'm saying? Pop music? 
Yeah, I, I would say he makes pop black music. You know what I'm saying? He makes popular black music. You know what I'm saying? It's it it, it has a lot of uh, what, how should you say influences from throughout the diaspora. But it, I, I would say it is pop. Okay. Uh, music. You know what I'm saying? He signed out of Janelle Monae. We know Janelle Monae makes black pop music. Okay. Uh, R&B music. Um, anyways, Jadena, you know what I'm saying? If you know anything about Jadena, he dresses like one of the elites in The Hunger Games. He, oh, wow. 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 He, but, okay, I got it. I can see that now. I but, with, that. you know, with that Southern Dixie Crat aesthetic attached yeah. to it, you know what I'm saying? He's a Southern dandy. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's one of the, he, he dresses like a free black. <laughs> in, the, in the early 1800s You know what I'm saying Now I want to give credit like that Free Blacks was fly He he, he was awesome Bro you ain't seen No 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 he, You ain't seen this bro Like he, he really He really captures this aesthetic bro He really do Okay then I'm happy okay. Yeah you really got You know especially early in his career He was doing the whole You know what I'm saying Suit old suit Traditional I mean, that's, that's part of his thing Traditional man You know what I'm saying I think that's one of the names Oh okay yeah he did Okay he did Yeah okay I know who he is I know who you're talking about so anyway, he came out, this this brother came out and said that he hates hoteps. Hotep's one of his top five enemies, right? So when he talked about what is a hotep, he say, uh, of course, people come at him. The, the, the first tweet says, hoteps are one of my top five enemies. Said this out of nowhere. People come at him and say, you know, you you can't define what hotep means. And you in this black media or black college educated class can't define what hotep means for all of the diaspora. Mm -hmm. Y'all don't have that right. Y'all don't got that power. Yeah. You think white people gave you that power, but you're wrong. Yeah. Just go out to the community and try to traffic these ideas. You only can traffic these ideas in front of white people exactly. and on white institutions. That's the only time, that's the only place you can talk to this whole type stuff. Is on is on a is on white technology or on white institutions in front of white folk or the other black folk that is as confused as you are. Yeah. To put it plainly, and and Jadena is as confused as you if you listen in Hughes Hotel. I'm sorry yeah. to speak to you like this, yeah. but you a child. So anyway, he says there's truth in this, but it was said in jest, you know, backpedaling as they tend to do. Then he says, I'm amused that some would defend and identify as hoteps. That's because you disconnected, nigga. <laughs> That's that's because you 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 not well connected to what's going on amongst the working class. And what's been going on amongst the working class? He says the title is no longer a badge of honor, and it doesn't just mean peace, woke, and pro-black. Says who, nigga? Says Jadena and Janelle Monae. Y'all gonna tell us Most what word what words mean? I'm gonna keep it real, man. And this is just sad. This is something that I've been seeing with a lot of. With a lot of people, even my age, a little bit younger, some don't go through this because they get grounded well in the movement. But for people that's 35 and better, you don't have no motherfucking excuse. They don't know, like, they don't, I don't want to say, they don't know the tradition. They wasn't in it. They only getting scholars from Really, the 2000s to me. Yeah, some of the foundations, like, they, they don't know. So for them to say, well, it's not a it's not a badge of honor anymore. Yeah, like you say, who who are you to say that? No, he, he goes on, he said, now Hotep includes misogyny, homophobia, fake wisdom, and woke fuckboyism. So you, you include some specific terms like misogyny with some just totally subjective terms like woke fuckboyism and fake wisdom. 
who okay who, who's defining that because this is what i know aki i've been called a hotep just for pushing for armed self-defense yeah i've been called a hotep for pushing for self-determination and autonomy of black communities away from the control of uh the, the a white government yeah i got i i've been called a hotep for those things i've been called a hotep for saying that we should defend the black family from attacks from uh from from white from white society mm -hmm. you you can be called a hotep for any number of things nowadays yeah. they try to any it's, it's, it's a scapegoat of, uh offensive term now Right, and it's a, just another way of performing this anti-black male misandry for your white benefactors, your white liberal liberal benefactors. Mm -hmm. This is a way of performing this amongst black people. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. We, we can reject, uh, uh, I guess, too independent of black thought by calling it hotep. Are you know are there people that only use hotep for misogyny? Yeah. Sure, but those are few and far between. I think what's taken over the discourse now is this general application of Hotep by black liberals, by the black middle class, by this black upwardly mobile bougie niggas. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They they use Hotep as an umbrella term for any politics really they don't understand or that they fear too much. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. And I this mean, is and this is Jadena. Yeah. Th this is what it comes down to. He says Let's see, because he, he goes on to say that white supremacy, yeah, white supremacists and hoteps have a lot in common, including anti-Semitism, homophobia, anti-feminism, rape culture denial. So he goes on to say that white supremacists and hoteps are practically the same. Hmm. They, they have the same effect. So th this, again, is part of this white feminist ethic, Aki, right, that is trying to say that black men you know what I'm saying? Left to their own devices, thinking on independently. You know what I'm saying? Take on the same motivations and urges of as white patriarchy. Mm -hmm. Right? This is total bullshit. You know? That's why I say that's totally devoid of actually meeting somebody that's truly in the Hotep community. Mm -hmm. um, and I know the Hotep community's true title that most of the people that's in the so called Hotep community, they call it the conscious movement. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, the Hotep thing, it really just belongs to one aspect, which is the brothers who went to the comedic science and the sisters that's in the comedic science. And it's crazy because they are probably the less misogynistic of the conscious community. Yeah, he goes on to say, both white supremacists and Hoteps treat black women like Earth's number one disposable matriarchal Bullshit. That's First crazy. of all, like, okay. That's how I know you don't know shit about the hotel community, which which I personally I take as a shot at the comedic community. But th th that's what he's saying. He like he he's saying that hotel has changed the meaning, but he's also but th what he's not saying is I have no idea what hotel meant or how it was used yeah. before I was introduced to it in this negative fashion. And note this too. That's what he's saying, Aki. I remember when the term first came around, and it was really to signify people who dressed up like that. So they came into the culture. Now you see them with the one lock on their joint, they whole joint ball head. You know, they got the big unk on. You know what I'm saying? That's what it more alluded to. And hotep was a word said between people in this community. That's why they used it. Yes, as a sign of peace and respect yes, and so recognition. Like they would see you. Hotep, brother. Hotep. Yes. So it was like, um, that's how it was. So when people who 
it was sort of like a either making fun thing of or I don't know for whatever reason what it was, but because they, they had an issue with them people, but they don't understand. Them people, they, they be, like, the comedic community believes in the comedic ways. They believe in the whole goddess type thing, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Which, with, with these people a lot of times are referring to is fringe people mm-hmm. in that movement. So a person gets a hold of this information, they may not have applied it to the fullest extent. They may have not have purged themselves out of it. They may have just read a couple of damn books. So you're saying people's fears and biases are pushing them to take the fringe of a group and make them their example for the whole group. Making them an example for that the whole group. That sounds just like what happens with anti-black misandry in a, in a, in a wider scale. I mean, yeah. I mean, they, they, they throw other tropes in there. Mm. Like, they, of course, they will never walk to the Nation of Islam and say that shit to their face, mm-hmm. right? But the Nation of Islam technically is a part of the Hotep community. Well, the, the the term is so widely applied now. Yeah, they're in the conscious community. It, it, I, I, I've seen, just if you read and participate in the field of black male studies, you're yeah. a hotep. They, yeah. they believe anything that disrupts this white feminist intersectional understanding of, or their understanding of the world, their supposed understanding of the yeah. world, their false understanding of the world, anything that disrupts that is hotep. You know, if you if you talk about so thus, if you talk about social dominance theory, these theories that are post intersectional that critique, if you critique intersectionality, you're a hotel. If you don't place black women in the most oppressed category, bar none, you know, what I'm saying without any other analysis needed, you know, what I'm saying if you if you, if you don't sign on to that as a black man, you're a hotel. And, and, and I need to say, oh, this. you want to talk about statistics, Aki? Yeah. You're a hotel. Yeah. Oh, you're asking me as an intersectionalist for. For statistics, you're a hotel. Hashtag blame black men. Hashtag blame black men. <laughs> I mean, it is sort of wild to hear that type of stuff, you know, because um, it's just, you know, a lot of times, man, it's just generalizations. Mm-hmm. Um, That is an escape. That's a scapegoat slur and term that's used to throw out. A lot of times it's used to be thrown out when they can't deal with depression, when they're in front of you and you are grilling them on some shit. Yeah, that's that's what they that's like the golden gun and the old double Oh, you game. a hotel. Oh, you a hotel. No, I'm a hotel because I'm a challenge you with some shit. And you can't you can't figure your stuff out. They just expect that to they they expect it to be a one shot kill when they pull that out. When yeah. they call somebody a hotel, they just expect the whole crowd around them to go crazy or to they expect you to fall to your knees and beg forgiveness. Mm-hmm. No. No, but you know what? That's that, the funny thing. Because about it. you can't challenge my actually my actual argument with calling me a name. I, I don't understand it though. They I remember the controversy came out with us calling people Uncle Toms. Hmm. You can't put all you know black people. There's no um. There's no um. Flat blackness type thing. No nigga, that shit exists. We got classes for all. We've been making different levels of blackness in our community for years we do that shit to be out be able to identify the realness from the fake shit so like the hoteps the hotel community aka the conscious community they are connected to the black nationalist community all the way um they may not be as militant sometimes it's, it's no it's no coincidence that nfac took off in the south yeah 
there, yeah. and you're right, Aki. There's something about s- Southern Black folk culture that's yeah. at the core of what Af- what being an African American is culturally. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. But a lot of these new blacks go to these go up north. Their families moved north generations ago. Mm-hmm. Took them away from black folk. Took them away from black institutions. And they didn't really learn about blackness till they read about it or seen it and, and seen it as currency on a college campus. And, we, and that's the catch. A lot of them are getting it on the college campus, and it's framed in a different way than what it really is. It's framed as currency. Yeah. It's, it's framed as, a, you know, uh, in, a, in, in terms of white sympathy. You know and what I'm saying? And I'll say this, too. The, the, the hoteps are more rooted and grounded in the soul than these people. Mm-hmm. Um, these people represent that class of people who left and looked down. Right. Or who want to leave, and so they look down. Right. They constantly want to claim that they're, those are my people and I'm connected to them, but you don't fuck with them. Right. You know, um, and two, I say this, when you put it in the terms of misogyny and homophobia, when they start talking about that, they have a problem with hoteps because hoteps are probably the most family-centered. Mm-hmm. They still believe in a nuclear family. Mm-hmm. And that's always in their foundation. Most hoteppers believe in a deity system, and they believe that deity system is a god, a goddess, and a child of that goddess and god. So it's like... I Look, I agree with hoteps. We do need more attention to be paid towards the black family. The black family, and, and even to speak even more specifically than that, we need attention paid to the relationship between black heterosexual men and women. Yeah. And the formation of families. Yeah. This is something that has been a direct target of white supremacy. This has been a direct target of our oppressor, our, fam- our family structure in terms of black men and black women yeah. forming families together. They- some people tell you to be patriarchy, but that's not yeah, I mean, a lot of people see any type of arrangement where a black man and a black woman uh, are in a relationship as somehow unequal or somehow patriarchal or misogynistic. Well, it's, it's just thing you know, there, there's some people that just you know, they're, they're, they're misandrous. We can take we can tie so many different things issues that African Americans have in America. One, we can always tie it back to racism, and white supremacy. Mm-hmm. But two, well, I should say U.S. domestic colonialism. But then number two, we can tie to the attack and the destruction of the black family. So then my first logic would be, why would we then try to do away or ignore the concept of a traditional black family when that's been the biggest and one of the number two things or the number two thing that's been under goddamn attack? So let's uh, let's just keep it rolling, Aki, because I want to fold this conversation over to our conversation on BLM. Gotcha. Black Lives Matter. Let's transition the conversation, but let's keep it on the family. Gotcha. Does Black Lives Matter speak much about the family? No. They they split up the black family. They split up the black man from the from black women. They split up black uh, heterosexual people from black homosexual people. And they do it to engage in this competitive victimhood that white liberals love us to compete within. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because it distracts us. It makes it more about philanthropy and what white people can save, what ask, what segments of the white of the black community white people need to pay most attention to. Mm-hmm. And that's why people frame our uh condition in such individualistic silo terms, you know what I'm saying, that align with intersectionality and all of the competitive victimhood that uh, that comes from that often. Yeah. Um, you know, BLM is not talking about uh, the 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 relationship between 
black men and black women in in the formation of a family. They're not as concerned with that. They're concerned mostly with the issues specifically related to women and queer people and their historic marginalization inside and outside of our community. Mm -hmm. I think maybe they focus maybe a little more on some other things too. For, for, for sure. They they but all in all, just the the I guess make sure make this connection with our last topic. Mm -hmm. They focus on all different type of things. What they but they ultimately don't, yeah. they don't represent the grievances and the demands of the black working class community. I, don't I say this. I don't think they represent the hood, period. Period. So um, there's always been this division. For years we've spoken about this between the national structure, the national leadership of Black Lives Matter, mm -hmm. and the actual grassroots chapters doing work. Yeah. I'm speaking about this as a former member of mm. an official chapter of Black Lives Matter, the Champaign-Urbana chapter of Black Lives Matter, mm. which is not active anymore. And that's a whole other show to talk about <laughs> how yeah. it stands today, but it's not active as wow. part of the Black Lives yeah. Matter network now. Yeah. Uh, but it was. And um, so it, it, it brings me joy to see that the chapters just last week put out a statement saying laying out those criticisms, laying out that the national chapter is not connected to the concerns of local communities. Yeah. It's not connected to the concerns of the local chapters that make up the network. It actually, uh, the relationship is more, is, is hierarchical. You know what I'm saying? It, it's hegemonic. Yeah. In, in, in terms of, they're asking where the money's at. They're asking, you know, how is it that leadership could be cast in this type of way? So you got the letter pulled up? Uh, yeah. All right, go on and start reading from it, Aki. Why don't we, uh, why don't we read it for the viewers, for those that uh, haven't seen it, just so we can we can really pull it, put it in full context. I got you. Okay. And this says, Statement from the Front Lines of Black Lives Matter. It is time for accountability. In recent, it, is, it was recently declared that Patrice Cullors was appointed the executive director to the Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation. Since then... Two new Black Lives Matter formations have been announced to the public. A Black Lives Matter Political Action Committee and a Black Lives Matter Grassroots. BLM Grassroots was allegedly created to support the organizational needs of chapters separate from the financial functions of the Black Lives Matter Global Network. We, the undersigned chapters, believe that all of these events occurred without democracy. Mm. Democracy? Mm and assert that it was without the knowledge of the majority of Black Lives Matters chapters across the country and the world. So let me continue. We became chapters of Black Lives Matter as a radical, as radical black organizers embracing a collective vision for black people engaging in the protracted struggle for our lives against police terrorism with a willingness to do hard work that would put us at risk. We expected the central organizational entity, mostly referred to as the Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation, would support us chapters in our effort to build communally. Since the establishment of Black Lives Matter Global Network, our chapters have consistently raised concerns about financial transparency, decision-making, and accountability. Despite years of efforts, no acceptable internal process of accountability has ever been produced by 
Black Lives Matter Global Network, and these recent events have undermined the efforts of chapters seeking to democratize its processes and resources. In the spirit of transparency, accountability, and responsibility. Scott, I had stepped away from the mic. In the spirit of transparency, accountability, and responsibility to our community, we believe public accountability has become necessary. As a contribution to our collective liberation, we must make clear Patrice Cullors, as a soul board member of Black Lives Matter Global Network, became executive director against the will of most chapters and without their knowledge. Number two, the newly announced formation, BLM Grassroots, does not have the support of and was created without consultation with the vast majority of chapters. Three, the formation of Black Lives Matter grassroots effectively separated the majority of chapters from Black Lives Matter Global Network without their consent and interrupted the active process of accountability that was being established by those chapters. Number four, in our experience, chapter organizers have been consistently prevented from establishing, establishing financial transparency, collective decision-making, or collaboration on political analysis and vision within Black Lives Matter Global Network. Number five, for the years, there has been inquiry regarding the financial operations of Black Lives Matter Global Network, and no acceptable process of, e of either public or internal transparency about the unknown millions of dollars donated to Black Lives Matter Global Network, which has certainly increased during this time of the pandemic and rebellion. To uh, Number six, to the best of uh, our knowledge, most chapters have received little to no financial support from Black Lives Matter Global Network since the launch in 2013. It was only in the last few months that selected chapters appear to have been invited to apply for a $500,000 grant created with resources generated because most of the organizing labor of chapters. This is not the equity and financial accountability we deserve. We remain committed to collectively building an organization of Black Lives Matter chapters that is democratic, accountable, and functions in a way that is aligned with our ideological values and commitment to liberation. We will move forward with transparency and expound on our collective efforts to seek transparency and organizational unity and a fuller statement in the near future. As we collectively determine the next steps, we encourage our supporters to donate directly to chapters who represent the front line of Black Lives Matter. And the front lines of Black Lives Matter, and this is us speaking now, the niggas, mm -hmm. is being undermined by the black intersectional feminist leadership of its founders. Hey, Aki. Who would have thought, Aki? Yeah. Who would have thought? But check out, just for safety, I mean, just for clarity, we got to let them know who all signed on to this. I'm going to start out Black Lives Matter Philly. Shout mm. out Philly. Black Lives Matter Indy. You know I'm an Indiana boy. By any means necessary. You, you know I'm an Indiana boy. Shout mm. out Indy, bro. Mm. Black Lives Matter D.C., yeah, up so we got Philly, Indy, D.C. Black Lives Matter, Chicago. Come on, bro. I'm like four major cities. Come on, bro. We talking about the capitals right now. Black Lives Matter, New Jersey. We got also Black Lives Matter, OKC, San Diego, Hudson Valley, 5280, and more. More chapters have signed on since then. I actually emailed the people organizing this. Like, 
because of these accountability issues, I basically said the Champaign-Urbana chapter ended years ago mm-hmm. due, due to a lot of the, these internal issues. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You should add us to this list. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, mm. yeah. Uh, you, um, breaking news. Champaign-Urbana signs on. Got <laughs> so, I guess, you know, it's a little, you know, saying uh, uh, conflict in the house. You know, it's a little, you know, little razzle-dazzle going on in the house being a limb. You know, um, these are things that's been raised and questioned about them for a long time. Um, the money, where's the money? Aki, I was just to connect these issues. I was called a hotel for criticizing <laughs> the leadership <laughs> of BLM. You was a hotel. I was a hotel for criticizing oh, wow. leadership of BLM. Mm. So to just think about, I mean, Hotep is really uh, it's a it's a it's a it's a battering ram, a cudgel used in defense against black male independent thought. I, I wouldn't even say just black male thought. Black independent thought that does not rely on foreign ass ideology. Right. These anything that was born from the mind of Negroes is looked at to them as crazy. Right. You know. And, and when you look at the leadership, like, I've only seen Patrice Cullors really pop up. I ain't seen the other two. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the other two might have uh, have cut town. They might have got the fuck out of Dodge. You know, I think they might have seen some shit before it went down. You know, like, we, you know. Well, it, it's still their decisions that, that formed it this way. They, yeah. This has been, these have been issues since its formation. I yeah. joined Black Lives Matter, uh, the, the chapter, I believe, in 2014. Mm. So I've been very attentive for the whole lifetime of this organization to, to the relationship between the local chapters and, and nationals. I remember very early on, we sent members of our chapter here in Champaign-Urbana to some uh, city in Ohio, Cleveland, one of them, I think Cleveland, for one of the first national convenings of BLM. Mm-hmm. And my question to them uh, when they got back was about the democratic processes. It was about how are they involved in local chapters into the into the decision making into the program setting into the demand making and they had nothing to say about it we were not involved local job mm. and that, so since 2013 2014 i've been holding this critique yeah about the national leadership not allowing local chapters into uh positions of power yeah so yeah six years later i'm happy that these local chapters are saying something mm. I don't know if they'll be successful in building a network of BLM chapters to do mm. important work just because you're probably going to run into legal tr- legal challenges from Patrice Colors now. Yeah, and then using the name, you know. Uh, but the, isn't that some shy shit, though? Yeah. Once people start calling for accountability, you, you create different front organizations. Yeah, and as you know, the separate folk yeah. from the money. We didn't we didn't see some stuff just looking into this that is uh even a little even damaging, even more damaging, you know, but uh So yeah, okay, we did a little research and we did it with help. I mean just to just to talk about it real quick. Susan Woods on YouTube. Susan Woods is a is a black woman, uh probably in her fifties or sixties. Yeah. And uh, she's been working in the nonprofit sphere, it's helping helping working class Black people start and operate nonprofits mm-hmm. for decades. Yes, and uh, and that's the uh, the nonprofit she runs is is devoted to that. Yeah, by all appearances, uh, she's not involved in nonprofits in the white type of uh, greedy way where she's yeah. trying to 
you know what I'm saying, manipulate people's money. Mm-hmm. This is it seems like this is a legitimate effort, a legitimate concern of hers. So so anyways, uh Susan Woods, look up her on YouTube. She works very close. I mean, she works in the nonprofit sector. And upon the murder of George Floyd this year, Susan Woods decides to go uh, do something about our condition as black people. And mm-hmm. she goes to make a donation to Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Upon trying to do so as, uh, you know, an active participant in the nonprofit sector, she notices a lot of fishy things mm-hmm. going on with Black Lives Matter and their money. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of this owes to the same thing that the actual workers, the people that actually do the things that we're, we're proud of Black Lives Matter yeah. of doing, these are the people that are, you know, say, are, are, are claiming this money mismanagement, lack of transparency against Patrice Cullors, Opal Tometi, and Alicia Garza. Yeah. So, and that's exactly what uh, Susan Woods discovers. You know, mm-hmm. she discovers that with BLM. Yeah. If you want to make a donation to BLM first, you have to go to, what is it, Act Blue? Mm-hmm. ActBlue.com is, is the middleman for the money. And they take a four percent, almost five percent cut mm. of the money as it comes in. So that's five, four, four percent of your money right there yeah. by Act Blue. And then Act Blue doesn't send the money to Black Lives Matter. Act Blue is a fiscal sponsor. No, mm. Act Blue works with Black Lives Matter's fiscal sponsor. Who is Black Lives Matter's fiscal sponsor? We should know that, right? Mm-hmm. All these tens of millions of dollars going to BLM. I don't even know what. What? How does a fiscal sponsor even operate? Mm. Let's. So we look deeper into it. Black Lives and Susan, with Susan Woods' help, Black Lives Matter is not a charity organization. It does not. It's not a five hundred one three C organization. Mm. So it relies on a fiscal sponsor. Who's the fiscal sponsor for BLM? Ever since twenty sixteen, it was a organization called the Development Expertise. Group that was the first name of it, I believe. Let me make sure on this. It's, it was IDEX was the name, um, but it's currently called the current name for it is Thousand Currents. So at first it was about mm. it, it, no, I'm sorry, it was IDEX, the International Development Exchange. Yeah. So after their collaboration with Black Lives Matter, Matter starts, the International Development Exchange. Uh, once they become the fiscal sponsor of Black Lives Matter, the mm-hmm. so-called biggest movement, you know, whatever, uh, they change their name to Thousand Currents. Yeah. And they hire a bunch of black people, or I, I can't even say black people, a, a whole bunch of uh, a people of color yes. to uh, be the face of the organization. And they're the fiscal sponsors. So they work with Black Lives Matter to identify where the money is going. Yeah. They're not, there's no transparency available. And Susan Woods points this out. One thing about Susan Woods' work, Aki, and this is impresses both, she looked at each and every single chapter of Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Looked at every single one of their fundraising efforts. I gotta go back efforts, and look at all of them. For every chapter and followed the money for every single chapter. When every single chapter she looked at lacked transparency. And this thousand currents. We looked a little bit into that. When you yeah, when you see these board members and then you start reading some of the mission statements that so, they're talking about, right. it's a little off. So the founder of Thousand Currents, originally the International Development Exchange, which is a much more seisty name. Yeah. 
Thousand Currents sound like some uh some a poet, a nice poem from yeah. a, a feminist, right? That sound like that sound like some shit right there. That's, that that's one of those companies in Africa, right? Actually, it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> so they changed their name to Thousand Currents. They hire a bunch of black folk, black women mainly, mm-hmm. to uh, be the face of the organization. But the founder, I was talking about the founder. His name was Paul Strasberg. And he's he's been a long time figure in the nonprofit industry. And what did he do before he founded this group? He was part of the Ford Foundation. Ah, oh, hell no, Aki. Part of the Ford Foundation, Aki. Not them. So w- w- the same Ford Foundation, which took the momentum from the black student movement and made the black studies departments that were supposed to be connected to the community. That's what we fought for, blood for, right? Yep. They made them connected to diversity initiatives on college campuses, and yes. we're still struggling because of that today. The same Ford Foundation... Which which is is funding and controlling the Black Lives Matter movement presently? I mean, because we looked at through the them. we looked at the hundred million dollars, right? Yeah. That, that that they got through the Borealis yeah. Foundation, and and we forgot the other philanthropists or entities. You know, what I'm saying connected. Was it um? Uh, uh but we, uh, yeah, same person you think about. Um, yeah, I died. I forgot his name. Anyway, one of them old decrepit looking crackers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Bezos. Yeah, no, no, no. That's that's Jeff Bezos's Amazon Washington Post. You know, you know, he ain't fucking with us like that. He ain't fucking with us. Uh, but yeah, we on the same track, Aki. Gotcha. Uh, Paul, yeah, Paul Strasberg come from the Ford Foundation, then starts International Development Exchange, gets this partnership with BLM in 2016, changes the name to Thousand Currents, <laughs> and hires a bunch of black folk to be the face of it. And we're talking about a white man. Real talk. Did that name sound like a that sound like an Avo name. It sounded like an Avo name. Third, a thousand country, thousand mm-hmm. currents. That's like a Native American. So name. Yeah. So we wanted to. We did a little research today on on BLM's money. So think about Act Blue, Thousand Currents, all and and look, Thousand Currents said on their website. So if you look at Thousand Currents website, mm-hmm. they have a press release from 2016 when this uh-huh. partnership was formed between. That it was still then called the International Development Exchange yeah. and Black Lives Matter Global uh, Foundation Network, whatever it's called. Yeah. So they talked about this partnership and they said that Black Lives Matter is going to make a donation mm-hmm. to uh, what IDEX was doing in Africa. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? With some of their donation money. Yeah. So uh, no transparency, really, how big that donation was mm-hmm. or where that went. But it also talked about IDEX was going to work with BLM to decide where to invest the money that was being donated as their fiscal sponsor. This is said in the press release. And I'm thinking, like, damn, think about that, Aki. So these white, this white philanthropist company has a closer relationship where money is going to go with Black Lives Matter than the local chapters. Here you go. The local chapters of black folk on the ground doing the work are subordinate to this white philanthropist who knows they're secondary to them and it's so bogus to hear shit like that because when it come down to it they pretty much are paying a motherfucker to show them they giving money up to show them where the best invest their money and then this money is gonna go to africa and i bet that i you can just i, I yeah look, I it, it really okay. come down to this aki if you work for a non uh, organization like Black Lives Matter Global Network, they paying folk. These nonprofit, there's there's salaried people attached to this. Yeah, I bet IDEX 
and Thousand Currents, whatever you want to call them. The reason that this partnership is it, it, it works so well and it's so under the radar, the the relationship is so good we don't hear nothing about it. Yeah, yeah. You know what yeah, I'm saying? That's yeah. how that's how good the relationship yeah, is, it's, and it's, it's, it's because crazy. they probably giving six figure fucking salaries to the people in Black Lives Matter to keep their mouth shut. I I, I could imagine that. I mean, be honest with you. You know what I'm saying? They not we not seeing. Because there is no transparency. Matter of fact, ain't no transparency. They're not showing us the numbers, nigga. I'm going to claim it. There you go. Matter of fact, it's true, Aki. Hmm. All them fucking Black Lives Matter the Global Network in the national leadership, they all getting millions. <laughs> well, I, they, I heard they get millions, Aki. Yeah, they Until they show us the books. That's what I'm going to believe. They got millions. Yeah. I think they all got a meal. They all got a meal ticket. Because, I mean, I'm like, shoot, they raised 200, I mean, they raised $2 million, you know, and they raised more money than that, not even including the donations that they got, the 50s, the 20s, the hunt, you know, all of this different stuff. And I, I'm I'm proud of those chapters who rose up and decided to stand on their own. Um, they still keeping the BLM moniker because I guess, you know, they believed in that, and that's the moment in which they came into their activism. And so obviously they, um, you know, serious about, you know, their business. Um, but it's not like there's been a voice out there questioning Black Lives Matter and their intentions for a long time. But they've been calling us hoteps. We've been hoteps the whole time. So, so now it, it's good to see that the mainstream discourse is catching up to us hotep niggas. Yeah, yeah. Well, the catch is the question is this: this is now. Now it's gonna be about how do y'all respond? How do y'all handle this? Because see. Them, these people who feel these are people that feel confident enough that they chapters can function without them. For sure, I, I'm interested too. They said they're gonna have a fuller report mm -hmm. talking about their uh, attempts to have more decision making and more power, democratic power. Yeah, I'm interested in that report. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I want to see. You know what I'm saying. I, I want to see just what that report says. So, you know what I'm saying. Uh, it's a new day. Yes, you it know, is. hoteps. You know what I'm saying. Like. Uh, we're surviving and thriving. There you go. So big yeah. up to the hoteps. Hotep, Ashe, Medese, Peace, Shalom, all that. Assalamualaikum. We we come in many different forms in the in the hotel community. Mm -hmm. We ain't just all on some comedic shit. Right. <laughs> right so. Since y'all want to throw it out there so loose and throw everybody up in that term, we gonna get a new term for y'all and y'all ain't gonna like it. Hmm. They ain't gonna like it at all. Yeah, no. Or we're just gonna call y'all coons again, make y'all cry. Yeah, yeah, they couldn't take the coon. Well, they right? can't take. You gonna call me a coon? I'm a coon. We all black. You can't put. You can't. It ain't no flat blackness. Nah, but it is a goddamn difference between a real one and a coon. <laughs> okay, okay. We might not be a flat black. It may not be a flat blackness, but it's a difference between. If you don't believe there is, walk up in any black community. You want to. Matter of fact, go to a black community. Go to that. Go to the gas station in the middle of the black community around eight o'clock on a Friday night. Yeah. And talk talk about hotels. Yeah. See what happens. You gonna get beat down by the incense man, <laughs> stumped out by a couple of god bodies, and see y'all better be glad that the god bodies they they not getting it down like they used to in the eighties. They mouthing up. They got you know wisdom kicked in back in the day. They would have heard some shit like that. They'd whoop that ass. They'd whoop that ass, and some other people whoop that ass too. But I ain't advocating violence. But sometimes you need to put your hands on people just to get them to understand. You can't just be out here throwing out shit like that. I'm advocating people getting slapped in the back of the head. 
I can roll with that. Yeah. I can roll with a smack in the back of the head, especially when they got the fresh fade. Mm-hmm. Ooh, they didn't get a fight started right there. But yeah, you know, um, hopefully they get it together. Yeah. You know, um, I, 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 you know, give a shout out to all those chapters who um, signed on to this. Mm-hmm. You know, you show bravery. Mm-hmm. And um, you're willing to step out there. And um, as I said, I think you feel confident enough that you put in enough work and establish networks in your city that if you got to get it done without them, that you can. The next day after this uh, statement was released by these chapters, Patrice mm-hmm. Colors tweeted that she hated how hard it was to find an outfit for some of her Zoom meetings. <laughs> It never stops, Shaquille. It never stops, Shaquille. It never stops, man. But fire this time. We about to burn away all this individualism, materialism, all this backwards shit, all this coon shit. That's what we here for, Aki. Yes, sir. Fire this time. Fire this time. Episode 20. Episode 20, and it's two hour, uh, we're an hour and 20 minutes, hour and 20 minutes into it. So Mm -hmm. we're going to call it a day, I think. I think we're going to call it a day. Yeah, that worked for me. And uh, we're going to go about our business. You stay about your business. And we're going to see you next week. All right. Peace. Peace. Hotel. (laughs) Hotel.